Hello, and welcome to another episode of Tarot for a Troubled Time, the podcast in which we reflect on our experience of living through the COVID-19 pandemic using the cards of the tarot. I'm your host, River Rose. It's Monday, September 28th, 2020, and I wish everyone marking Yom Kippur an easy fast. As millions of our siblings around the world mark this holy day, I extend a wish to all of us. May we all find the strength to make amends for any harm that we may have caused, and may we work together to bring about a more peaceful world. Now, every week before I do our weekly reading, I bring up news stories about COVID and or other issues that contribute in one way or another to the feeling that we're living in a troubled time. This week, there are only three stories I wanna mention. The first is related to the most recent developments in the case of Brianna Taylor. The case has a lot of details behind it and I won't go into them all, but if you wanna learn more about it, and I suggest you do, particularly if you live in the United States. The New York Times did an in-depth two-part report about the case on their podcast, The Daily, which I highly recommend. Brianna was a 26-year-old black woman who worked as an EMT. She was shot to death in her home in the middle of the night by three police officers, Jonathan Mattingly, Brett Hankison, and Miles Cosgrove in her home of Louisville, Kentucky, on March 13th, 2020. The three officers were executing a no-knock search warrant that, as we now know, had nothing to do with Brianna herself. They attempted to break into Brianna's apartment with a battering ram, and they shot 32 bullets into the apartment, even though they have no visibility into the space. While they were attempting to knock down the door, Brianna's partner, Kenneth Walker, who was inside and did not know what was happening, fired a shot at what he thought were intruders in self-defense. Brianna was hit by six bullets and was pronounced dead on the scene. Earlier this month, Brianna's family was awarded $12 million by the city of Louisville. But of course, that does nothing to bring Brianna back to her loved ones nor does it address the fact that she was killed in a botched police raid and that no one is being held accountable for her killing. And the infuriating development from this past week was that a grand jury ruled that the three officers responsible for the raid should not be charged with Brianna's killing. One of the three officers, Henkison, is now being charged with three counts of felony wanton endangerment, which has nothing specifically to do with Brianna's killing, but rather has to do with the fact that he fired his weapon indiscriminately without considering that his actions would endanger anyone in the vicinity. And with that decision, Brianna, a living, breathing, young woman who leaves behind a devastated community, is rendered completely invisible by a justice system that is anything but just. She is yet another black victim of police violence in the United States. She's not the first and she was not the last. Another story that I wanna mention is about our so-called US President Donald Trump, who was asked about the upcoming presidential election and refused to say that he would accept the results of that election should he lose. 
he has also persistently continued to sow the seeds of doubt about the validity of the election by criticizing mail-in voting, whose necessity has become higher because of COVID, and the integrity of the Democrats and of the process. I won't get into more details about him or other stories about him from this week because, let's face it, when you have a national leader openly say that they will not respect the results of a democratic election, what else is there to say? The gravity of the situation could not be higher in a moment when the United States of America, the most powerful country in the world, is in the hands of a wannabe dictator who has shown nothing but contempt for its citizens, disrespect for its allies, ineptitude in his role, and careless disregard for human life, even in the middle of a global pandemic. Where do we go from here? You know, I don't know, but I do know it's going to be ugly. And to the third story. If you've listened to previous episodes of this podcast, you know that I live in New York City, which was for many months one of the world's COVID-19 hotspots. As I prepared this episode yesterday on Sunday, September 27th, I was looking at Governor Andrew Cuomo's daily coronavirus update, and I saw him report that 1.02% of COVID tests that were performed in New York State on Saturday had come back positive. Now, this percentage hasn't typically gone above 1% in a very long time, And the last time that it did, I recall the governor said that he didn't sleep that night. And so in the days to come, I'll watch these updates more closely in anticipation and hope that my fellow New Yorkers and I aren't experiencing a COVID spike as we continue to fight this merciless virus. Which brings me to my question for this week. Sometimes troubling events can hammer away at us to the point that we feel overwhelmed and unable to carry on. We have no energy, we may not want to get out of bed, we may procrastinate on things that we need to get done because we have no enthusiasm, because we're too upset, because we get stuck. Sometimes we get so stuck that the situation becomes dire. And if this is a downward spiral that can happen to us at any time in life, which it can, We know that at the moment, with COVID and all the other instability we might be dealing with, the feeling of being stuck can be truly overwhelming and widespread. So I thought I'd ask the tarot this this week. What can I do to get unstuck? And by getting unstuck, I don't mean just overcoming a creative block or trying to figure out the solution to a specific problem. Although, of course, these are both legitimate examples of getting stuck. But... I'm thinking about a profound level of stuckness that comes with just being completely overwhelmed. Confession time. This episode is coming out a day late this week because I've been feeling overwhelmed by everything that's going on and I'm, I'm really just like busier than I can handle. Um, and I'm just dealing with a lot in my work and in my personal life. And I made the decision to delay the completion of the episode by almost a day so that I could relieve the pressure I was feeling yesterday because I know there are more challenges ahead and I just needed a break mentally and emotionally. Now, I had the privilege of being able to do this with the podcast because I'm my own boss in this and I'm part of a small community. Hopefully I didn't disappoint anyone too much. 
But I know that we can't always do that. We can't always meet our commitments on our own terms. In fact, most of the time we can't. We're beholden to others and we have no choice but to keep going, even when we feel like we can't. And so the overwhelm grows. I don't have to tell you that we're in a moment of overwhelm and COVID is making everything that we're dealing with more difficult. Financial pressures, logistical issues in our jobs and in our personal lives, unemployment, social separation, and the constant assault of the virus are all making life very difficult for billions of people around the world. Now, I'm not a therapist, and before I continue, I want to say unequivocally that I'm not trying to minimize what anyone is experiencing right now or trying to offer easy solutions to the trauma that some of us are dealing with. But I am approaching this question as someone who understands this state of mind. People deal with overwhelm in different ways, and I have to confess, I've historically dealt with it by shutting down. And when I say this, I don't mean that I have creative blocks or deal with procrastination, which are both serious things and both things I have dealt with. But what I mean is that I have in the past dealt with serious depression, a stuckness in a pit that is so deep that it feels impossible to get out of it. And I definitely dealt with it at the beginning of this pandemic, where the complete shutdown of New York City, combined with some other personal challenges I was facing at the time, hurled me into a pit of despair that I thought I would not be able to crawl out of seriously. I've done a lot of work to get out of that stuck mind, and I've taken many actions to get to where I am now, including the starting of this podcast. It's been a persistent daily grind, a quiet fight for survival that I've been able to conquer, at least for now. But it's a process, and the precarious situation we continue to find ourselves in makes us vulnerable. And because I know the importance of finding a process for getting unstuck, I thought I'd raise this question this week. Now, as for the spread for this week, I thought we'd pull three cards and use them as a subject-verb-object spread, a combination of cards that together give us some kind of statement that helps us find ways for each of us to get unstuck. With all this in mind, I pulled three cards and laid them side by side. The cards I drew were the Six of Cups, the Eight of Pentacles, and the Seven of Cups reversed. The Six of Cups, the Eight of Pentacles, and the Seven of Cups reversed. I actually love the fact that these are all minor arcana, that the cups are dominant and that the pentacles also make an appearance, and that we have a six and seven and eight slightly out of order. I also love that all of these cards, and particularly in this deck, in this version, the modern spellcaster's tarot, show a love and caring for the earth and for all the beings on it. There's a gentleness suggested by these three cards that we have to pay attention to when answering this question for ourselves. Uh, we're being told that we have to go easy on ourselves when we're feeling overwhelmed, that we have to slow down. I also want to point out that there are no swords here which is the suit of air and of the mind, of the intellect, which actually tells me that when we are feeling stuck, the left brain is not what we lean on to get out of the stuck place. Thinking analytically is not going to get you unstuck. You have to rely on your right brain, your emotions and your imagination, and on your body, the pentacles, to get unstuck. Cups and pentacles. Here's what else I get from these cards. 
with the minor arcana, I'm reminding that getting unstuck is really something that you deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. It's the little things, the little actions every day that you have to keep trying at. It's a practice like exercise or meditation, especially if you're really overwhelmed and dealing with difficult challenges day after day after day after day, as many of us are. The number six, seven, and eight tells that it's really important to start from where we are now, in the middle of things, in the middle of our situation. We shouldn't try to think about how we should be farther ahead or uh, doing things differently or that we need a radical reset as an ace would suggest, for example. We need to start slowly and gently because we're in the middle of something already. And I love that the sequence from left to right, six, eight, seven, tells us that some days we may make more progress than others and that on other days we may take a step back and that's all okay. I love that all the depictions of these cards in this particular deck have both the elements of earth and water, the two elements of the suits that, that appear, the pentacles and cups. I'll get into that detail more in a minute as I describe each card, uh, but I wanted to get you these in initial impressions first. Now, the first card in the spread, the Six of Cups, typically suggests something related to childhood or the past. It evokes feelings of kindness and caring, uh, authenticity, simplicity, renewal, and can indicate a reference to nostalgia or memories. It also evokes a sense of remembering and learning from your past, of coming to terms or reconciling with your past. It could be reminding you about a specific person whom you cared about in your past, or it could be asking you to reconnect with an activity from your past that, you, that perhaps could bring you joy now. There is also a suggestion of thinking back to your ancestors and to their wisdom and of connecting to the world of nature. In the Rider-Waite-Smith deck, all of this is suggested in a bucolic portrait of two children, one who appears to be a boy and somewhat older than the other child who appears to be a girl. The boy is handing the girl a cup that holds a white flower and some greenery, while in the background, an adult is walking away from them and towards a large homestead. In the foreground are four additional cups, and a sixth cup sits on a pedestal behind the boy, and all of them hold the white flower and the greenery. It's a very colorful, peaceful scene. In our deck, the modern spellcaster's tarot, nature is actually even more prevalent in the card. We see four humans on this card, two children and two adults. The children, in this case an older girl and a younger boy, are in the foreground, sitting on the bank of a stream that is full of little fish. They are playing collaboratively together in the soil, filling six cups with earth. One of the cups holds a yellow flower, and one holds a mushroom, <laughs> of all things. In the background are two elderly people, a couple, sitting on a bench. They're watching the children play while they sit contentedly holding each other. Interestingly, the humans are wearing contemporary clothing, or at least 20th century clothing, clothing, as opposed to medieval-looking clothing as we see on many cards and in many decks. So it, the, the, the attire in this card is a little bit atypical. In between the two sets of humans is a field of tall grass, and behind them are all kinds of trees, including one filled with pink buds. Now, if we take this card as the subject of our message for the week, I would take it to signify either your inner child 
or your ancestral wisdom or your deep intuition. Whatever resonates for you about that inner part of you that will help you tap into the wisdom of the universe, that's what I would focus on as you interpret this reading for yourself. The earthiness and the flow of positive, authentic, and genuine emotion is what's important here. Let's move on to the second card, which represents the verb or action in the spread. The Eight of Pentacles. In the tarot, this card typically suggests engagement with a meaningful task, with work or a craft or art or something else that requires repeated, consistent action and engagement. In the Rider-Waite-Smith version of the card, we see a craftsperson hard at work on the creation of some coins. He's sitting on a bench and he's chiseling a pentacle into a gold coin, while other Pentacles, six pentacles, are hanging or propped up against the tree to the right of him, and an eighth pentacle is lying on the floor to his left. He's outside, and in the distance, we see a town. In the modern spellcaster's tarot, we see a very sweet scene of a person engaged in a different type of task in the Eight of Pentacles. He's in a clearing in a forest, and he's just finishing building a stone shelter for some furry friends, a dog and a squirrel, the latter of whom you'll recall is the totem or mascot for the pentacles in this deck. There happen to be eight stones that we can see on the facade of the shelter and they all have pentacles chiseled into them. With the dog and the squirrel are a bundle of coins, a pile of nuts, some bags with the stamp or design of a spider on them, so, and spider, by the way, eight legs. Uh, spider is the original webmaster, right? A master of creating intricate dwellings. And the two creatures, the dog and the, and the squirrel, also have with them a large precious looking stone or crystal, crystal, and it's green. We see that it's raining in the scene, so water's flowing down, and that the human is protecting these animals from the rain by building this shelter. In the foreground, some puddles of water are forming. It's a very different scene from the one in the Rider-Waite-Smith deck, and in some ways it's much more detailed, but you can see that there is a similar theme of being engaged in an industrious task, that of building. And it just so happens that this card, like the Six of Cups, also has an element of caring for others and for nature, as the human is engaged in this task to protect the dog and the squirrel. With respect to the meaning of the card in the spread, I'd say that the verb or action we're being asked to consider is to engage or dedicate ourselves, and particularly with something bigger than ourselves, something, something like that, something that is just outside ourselves. And so we come to the third card in the spread, the Seven of Cups, reversed. I admit that this card is always a little problematic for me. It's hard to figure out. The card can remind us that we're operating in a dream state or in a fantasy or illusion or in creative brainstorming or even in an altered state on some kind of substance that might alter our perceptions of reality. It can also indicate a series of choices or the act of deciding or having difficulty deciding or acting as we'll get into when we describe the card. Uh, interestingly, this meaning can be connected to procrastination or being blocked. Hmm in that the difficulty in choosing an option is causing us to freeze up. Other related meetings to this card, the Seven of Cups, having your head in the clouds or daydreaming, which may be stopping you from doing and making progress. Or on the other hand, if you've been living with too much structure, 
uh, this card could indicate that you need to shake things up. You need to see things differently so that you can act accordingly. And finally, I'd say that the Seven of Cups invites us to explore our spirituality or our beliefs. Remember that these are cups, so our emotions and our imagination are heavily involved in whatever we're processing. In the Rider-Waite-Smith version of the Seven of Cups, we can see a figure in, in silhouette standing with their back to us. They're staring at seven cups that are floating in the air in front of them. The cups each have a symbol floating above them, a head, a handkerchief or covering of some kind, a snake, I believe a castle, some jewels, a laurel wreath, and a dragon. These represent our wishes and dreams, right? good dreams and bad dreams, wealth, fame, power, majesty, and a couple of them represent dangerous things, the snake, the dragon. And we can see where the meaning of the card comes from. These are all our hopes and lusts and fears swimming around, and we need to know which ones to pursue in order to achieve our own fulfillment. In the modern spellcaster's version of the card, we see no human figures at all, and the symbols floating above the cups are actually planetary or astrological symbols to present the different choices. The cups are floating in the air in a marsh of some kind, and it's actually quite a pretty and a mystical scene with turtles swimming in the water below and tall grass and some pink buds like the ones in the Six of Cups, which kind of echo each other in the, in the spread. And we see stars, and a waxing moon in the sky. It's quite a trippy card and, and it's also steeped in nature. And I invite you to go look at it in my Instagram and Twitter feeds if you've never seen this particular version. You can see that the meaning is by and large the same as that of the traditional Rider-Waite-Smith deck. Now, but hold up though, I can't forget to mention once again that in this spread, the card is reversed. So what do we make of that? To complete the answer to our question, what can I do to get unstuck? I think this card is actually telling us to ground ourselves in the present. So not in all these different fantasies and illusions and choices and fears and lusts. Just be in the now. Breathe. Feel what you're feeling. Let your intuition guide you. But stay in the now. Connect with someone you care about who's near you or even who's far away from you. And just try to connect and engage. Putting everything together, uh, what can I do to get unstuck, subject, verb, object, I think we're being told to bring our inner child, our most authentic and undiluted self to engage with what's happening right now in a joyous way. You might be stuck on a problem or a task or on figuring out a situation or obstacles that feel impossible right now so you know what just put those aside if you could do anything in the world to make yourself feel more grounded and more lighthearted right now like you did during a peaceful moment from your past what would that be can you do a little bit of that right now and if you can't what is the closest thing that you can do to simulate that action or that activity for example i myself used to love to go to the theater and I can't right now. So when I'm craving a theater fix, I either look for an online theater event that's happening, or I look for a way to support the theater community in New York, who's really hurting right now, or I listen to a musical soundtrack. I'm obsessed with Hamilton and I listen to it a lot and I sing and rap along as much as I can. 
and I've mentioned this in other episodes, or maybe I look for alternatives if I can't find theater, um, a movie I haven't seen, or that I love and I want to see again, or a book that I've been meaning to read. I look for other stories because I love to hear stories. I do whatever I can to shift into the mindset that will make me more engaged with the current moment and that will make me feel happier. These feel like tried examples in a way. And honestly, when you're really, really stuck, you have to be really scrappy and you have to be really patient about moving out of that stuck place. It may take days or weeks or longer. And you have to remember the enthusiasm, the inspiration, the feeling of engagement that you can generate from inside you, you might not be able to feel it. You might not be able to find it. But if you approach the elimination of your stuckness as a practice, as something you chip away at a little at a time, you can rediscover it in you. Think of it this way. The energy you need is like the energy from the sun and you're like a solar panel. I know it's not very romantic, it's solar panel, but it's very forward thinking, right? So now sometimes the sun is just not visible and in moments when we need energy and it's dark, things can feel hopeless. You're completely drained. You can't do what you need to do because you have no fuel. But remember, the sun doesn't ever go away. It's always there, whether we see it or not. It's a major source of energy that feeds all of us. It flows through all of us. And we can get the energy that we need eventually. We have to be patient. Sometimes we have to do something to reposition ourselves, change the direction of the panel. We have to open up and we have to trust. We have to trust that the universe is in fact never stuck. It's never still. And you are part of the movement of the universe. Eventually, the sun will come back around and your energy will be replenished. And so with that, I end this week's reading. I sincerely appreciate you for listening and I hope you got something out of it. I'll share the reading on Twitter and on Instagram. Please look for it on my personal account at CallMeRiverRose. If you have questions, comments, and suggestions for me, you can also email me at IamRiverRose at gmail.com. If you like what you've heard, I encourage you to leave me a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you can and to share the podcast with your community. I'll see you next Monday. Be well, take care, and remember, the sun is always there, whether you see it or not.